Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, how about this cooler weather, John? Kind of feels like the Carolina Gamecock team. They're cold. Ouch, ouch. Yeah, yeah. you know, tough, tough season. You yeah, know, it's but, tough uh, season for the Gamecocks. I, I feel for them. Tigers you know, are that. doing well in Georgia, Florida this weekend. Yeah, Ooh, right. Georgia, big, Florida. Big That'll game. be a big game. Big game. Georgia's not out of it. You know, if they beat Florida and if they could go on and beat Auburn, I mean, that's their two games. They mm-hmm. can get through those two games and everybody else. I think they have a shot. I still have a shot of getting in. Yeah. No doubt about it. You know, um, Carolina. Yeah, just there's always next year. <laughs> You know, wait till next year, Mister. Wait till next year. Just remember the Georgia game. That's all you got right. for Carolina guys. Right. That was so, our that was our bowl game. I think. And Clemson, we play <laughs> Wofford this weekend mm, tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's uh, well, Wofford's a great team in the D two league. They really are. They really are. They're they're, so, they're a good program. They really are. So anyway, but, but it'll be be a fun weekend. Another fun weekend of football. But you know, speaking of fun, um, we have a couple of fun topics here. You know, we're going to talk about. <laughs> when do you stop supporting <laughs> your adult children? Okay, that's not a fun topic. That's right. I lied, but yeah. it's a very it's important. important topic. It very is. important. And, um, you know, we, we probably have some eye-opening information for you. We've got a great uh, a survey here mm-hmm. uh, when people think you should stop supporting them. And then we're going to talk about what actually happens. That's right. And very important topic. And then we're going to follow that up with some money myths yeah, exposed. Yeah, some money myths, some things that we run across, and uh, we see some other folks uh, around the country that see it as well, financial advisors. Um, and uh, some of these are going to be familiar to you. Some of them are not. Some of them are kind of sneaky uh, sneaky good. Um, so uh, hang in there for the second segment. We'll uh, talk about some myths, and we will expose them. Yeah, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 24 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. also have a whole bunch of uh, other information for you, videos. We have calculators, links, and so forth. Uh, a lot of good information out there. Also a Facebook page, uh, MoneyMD, that we post a uh, weekly prescription. I think Matthew's going to do it this week, uh, talking about home warranties and whether or not they're a good idea. Yeah, that, that'll be great. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net, or you can link to us right off of the website. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this is a, a recent study that came out, and Steve, about 40% of seniors uh, report that they retired earlier than planned, and the reasons vary from health issues to uh, buyout packages, layoffs, uh, maybe caring for an aging parent. So, you know, we see a lot of people that want to work or plan on working till 67 or 70, and it just doesn't happen, and and that really completely blows up the, the plan if you haven't planned properly. Yeah, you got to plan on a reasonable retirement date, regardless of your your real plans of maybe plan to work till seventy, because you never know. I mean, things can happen. Um, you know, it's harder to maintain a job when you're in your late sixties. You know, employers might not necessarily want you there, mm-hmm. um, so there may be some you know buyout package, or you may be kind of forced out, or you may have you know some issues like you said with health or family or something like that that may change your plan so have the contingency plan to retire at a reasonable age and then if it works out you can work all the way to yeah, 70 you want to work 
That's gravy. Go for it. That's great. That's great. So good fact of the week. That leads up here to our first topic. And, uh, uh, John, this is a hard one. You know, when do you and how do you stop supporting your kids, mm-hmm. particularly adult kids? Yep. Um, this is based on an article out of Bottom Line Personal very recently. But, uh, John, for many Americans, you know, the biggest thing standing between them and a secure retirement is their children. Mm-hmm. You know, I met with a, a, with several clients recently who I thought were in great shape for retirement if you removed their direct or indirect support for their grown children um, out of the yeah. picture. Yeah, I see that as well. And and sometimes the parents are, you know, I mean, they're giving people, right? Right. But to the detriment sure. of their retirement. Retirement, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, today about 50% of Americans are sacrificing savings for for retirement to support financially struggling adult children. And, uh, you know, we all want to help our children um, as much as possible, but there comes a point to where you, you are sacrificing your own retirement plan and perhaps enabling your children to avoid taking responsibility. Um, there's a new study out from bankrate.com that reveals that at what point do parents think they should stop paying for things like, you know, mobile phone plans, um, uh, car payments, student loans for their adult children, um, insurance payments for cars. Um, you know, it goes through the whole list here. So the results of this study, though, they, they could help you kind of set some boundaries for your adult grown children um, to become less dependent. Yeah, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, risking retirement uh, to, to help the, your adult children is a rule. I mean, it's not the exception. And there was a study done by Bankrate, and it pulled about twenty polled about 2,500 adult uh, across five age groups, uh, Generation Z, the Millennial Group, Generation X, Baby Boomers, and then the Silent Generation. Um, and an average of one out of every two among Generation X and Baby Boomers said that you know they were sacrificing or had sacrificed their retirements to help their adult children um, somewhat or a lot. So about 50% of those Generation Xers, which is 39 to 54, and then baby boomers, fifty-five to seventy-three, had had done a lot, and it's impacting them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've seen this a lot over my last twenty-five years in this business. I mean, I had one client a number of years ago who was set for a great retirement, but um, ended up absolutely impoverishing herself in order to help her freeloading children. Basically, mm-hmm. um, you know, she she literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars during her fifties and sixties helping her children um through every conceivable hardship that they could describe <laughs> you know um i mean she's now unfortunately in her 70s and still working um since all of her all of her retirement basically is gone um it was all used to help help her children to bail out her children um who one of them still lives with her i think um so you know we all want to help our children who get into financial trouble but there is a point where you have to say no um, and so, you know, most don't expect financial independence to start, though, at age 18. When it, According to this survey, survey participants were asked when it would be appropriate for parents to stop uh, paying for their adult children across nine categories of expenditures. Those categories included expenses such as car payments, auto insurance, subscription services such as cable TV or Netflix, um, credit card bills, and travel costs. And though uh, age 18 has been kind of the long standard benchmark for adulthood, 
Only the baby boomer boomer respondents said on average that 18 was the age at which they would stop paying for Mm -hmm. um, any of those categories. And the baby boomers said that, you know, that the appropriate age for financial independence um, was only in one single category was at 18, and that was cell phone bills. Um, So if you have a 19 or 20-year-old child or even an older one who is still a, a bit of a... Uh, getting a bit of monetary assistance from you, keep in mind that that's kind of par for the course because yeah. that usually is happening. Because they're usually in college, 19 or 20. Exactly. You know. Yeah, they're still in school, you know, and they don't have a, a good-paying job yet. Um, and I, mean, I have to admit, we helped our kids all the way through college, you know, with most of these expenses. Um, you know, we were fortunate all three of our kids got out of college and got a great-paying job, um, you know, when they fully graduated out of school. Um, so, but after counseling hundreds of clients over the years, I, I have to think that's rare. You know, out of three kids, you're likely to have one that's going to struggle to get a good paying job and make ends meet after school. Um, and that makes it really difficult to cut them off. You know, I'd say most parents are not going to cut off a child who doesn't have a good paying job and who needs help, even at age, say, 24. Um, but, you know, there comes a point where you have to kind of force the issue if necessary. Yeah, and so the the magic number, Steve, out there based on this uh, the study was 20. People believe 20 is is the uh, the average um, number of years that you should uh, pretty much cut off from a financial standpoint. Older respondents tended to feel that parents should cut off their children maybe a year or two earlier, which is not surprising. Um, you know, the one exception to this was subscription services, um, which had the same answer for everybody. But keep in mind, survey results, they tend to get our ideal response. In other words, if it's the way we think things should be, not the way they actually are. So the reality is that most parents tend to keep subscriptions going longer than that. And sometimes it seems like it goes on forever. And I mean, I'll, I'll echo, you know, we helped our kids through college and fortunately both of them got good jobs and we, we did cut off all the services and they're they're paying them now and um you know it's it's really more expensive to do it that way like you think about cell phone yeah. bills you know if you go individually versus on a family plan it's more expensive but right. just from the independent standpoint it just made sense to cut it off and you know push them out the door <laughs> yeah yeah our kids eventually went on with friends you know yeah. and got a package with friends which apparently they can do now but yeah. um but yeah you're right that's kind of a hard one to cut off you know because it is cheaper it was for a long time yep to, to stay on the parents' plan. Um, you know, respondents across all five groups, though, were more lenient when it comes to big-ticket, uh, <clears throat> relentless, you know, bills um, that can dog a person for decades. I mean, the average response was that parents should help grown children with housing costs until age 21. Um, for both health insurance student loans, however, the average was 23 And, uh, in fact, um, in none of the five age groups was the average response less than 21 as the right age to cut them, you know, uh, to cut the cord across all five spending categories. So, anyway, I mean, the question is, how do you wean your children, you know, off of this support? Um, Ideally, you, you need to set some expectations and timelines when they're young, and you need to communicate it to them starting in high school, that, you know, they're going to have to start paying for their own stuff at at these certain points and explain to them that that's what's going to happen because you love them and you want them to grow up to be responsible adults who can take charge of their own lives. Um, so you have to have that communication early on, ideally, okay? And we know most parents don't do that. Um, in reality, though, most parents let 
many of these expenses drag on for a decade um, beyond school if their if their child can't get on their own two feet. Um, you know, we've seen this time and again. Most parents set a goal of transitioning their children off of support when they're out of school and they get a good job. Of course, the problem comes in when they don't get a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> maybe they can only find part-time work. They never get married. They don't move out of the house. What do you do? You know, I mean, you have to sit down with your children at some point and you have to set some real goals and some real timelines. Yeah, obviously getting a decent job is is key. And, and so, I mean... A step before getting a, a good job, in many cases, is getting a good um, degree, right? Making right. sure you get into the right <clears throat> field and so forth. And, you know, if, if you're if you're in a, um, a situation where you have a degree and you can't get a job in your field, you've got to get a job somewhere. Home Depot, Target, there's a lot of, a lot of different retail jobs that can at least get you in there, get you some, some uh, health insurance, maybe some retirement, and you start building that resume and you can get uh, maybe your perfect job after that if you've been doing that for a couple of years. But you have to get a job and you have to make sure that, again, it's in a field when you're getting your degree. And this starts back in high school that that field is going to provide the opportunity to get a job because <laughs> a lot right. of fields don't. <clears throat> It, you know, there's a lot of people going for a very small number of jobs, so that that degree is important. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> you know, and if you can't you you can't hold out for the perfect career job that you've been looking for for a year. Um, you know, after a while, you have to be willing to accept a job that that's not that's something less than perfect, right? You know, you're just not going to find that fish and wildlife management job in Greenville. You know, that's going to open up. Um, you know, let's face it, you know, they're few and far between. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take a long time to get that perfect job. So you got to work somewhere else in the meantime. Um, but once the job is in hand, you know, then it's time to move up to step two, which is moving out of the house. And this is a critical step, John, because it's always easier to transition them to pay in their own way if they're out of the house. If they stay in the house, there's always going to be this ongoing struggle for you know, to get them to pay their fair share of, say, rent, food, utilities. It's just not the same as living with your friends where there's this social pressure to pay their fair share of everything. You know, parents are obviously different, and you don't want to combine the role of being parent and landlord into your your adult years um, if there's any way you can avoid it. So that's a critical step is is them moving out of the house. You know, step three, though, is to transition them off all the other areas of support, like their cell phone bill and their car insurance. You know, simply change your plan, um, you know, and tell them that it's, it's it's time for them to get their own. Change the plan and push them off. <laughs> well, I mean, you change your, upgrade your cell phone plan and just say, hey, you know, look, we're in the middle of this and, and this is the perfect time. You need to go ahead and, you know, get with your friends or something and get your own plan. We did that, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm speaking from experience. Are you, are you suggesting to change the locks as well? Did <laughs> if you do necessary. that too? No, but we changed our cell phone plan and we just told our girls and said, hey, Hey, girls, you know, I mean, we're changing it. You know, it'd be a great time for you guys to re-up, you know. So they got with their friends, and yeah. they did, and, and, and it worked out well. <laughs> it wasn't mean, but, I mean, it was time. Yeah. It was just time, you know. So, you know, make sure any cars are putting their name, right? Change the address on their bills so that it goes to their house, <laughs> their address, not your house, your address. I'm just telling you practical stuff, seriously, <laughs> you know. Make sure the cars are in their name. Give them, you know, give them the old car if they're driving it. Um, if necessary, so it gets retitled to them, and then they have to change the insurance policy to their name. 
Um, you know, this final transition step can be the hardest because these are subtle expenses, right? <laughs> that you, but you got to make it happen sooner rather than later. If it drags on, it obviously becomes more difficult. Yeah, this is really when having an emergency fund and uh, for them learning to live within their means is so important. And we would really suggest uh, maybe you pay for them to attend Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University class at this point in their life. Great time to, to get that knowledge. Uh, before they get into any kind of serious financial difficulties. And you can tie that requirement into maybe paying six months of their phone phone bill if necessary. And and it's going to help them develop an effective budget and avoid uh, credit card debt, get that emergency fund built up. And uh, I promise you it's going to be the best $130 investment you've ever made in your adult children's life. So again, Dave Ramsey has that financial peace university class. It's about nine weeks and it's taught all over the CSRA. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea. And, you know, once you wean your children, your adult children off of the financial support, that changes the whole dynamic of your relationship for the better. Um, You know, they gain some self-respect, confidence, independence of being truly out on their own, you know, while you both get to focus on your relationship. You know, no longer do family interactions turn into requests for assistance or resentment that they aren't pulling their own their own weight. Um, you know, you don't have to feel compelled to ask for rent or insurance or food food money at every meal. Um, so this is the point where you can finally focus on their well-being and simply being the loving parent without the stress of trying to change anything about them. Um, you know, you're going to wonder why it took so long to get to this great point in your adult children's relationship. So don't put it off any longer. Address this. This is, this is something that, that uh, you're still struggling with with your adult children. So that's that topic, and that brings us up here to the question of the week. Yeah, it has to kind of do with that is, can I save uh, for retirement for my adult child? And I mean, the answer <laughs> is yes. I mean, you you know, you know, can gift money um, can, to yeah. them. You know, you can give 15000 uh, 15, um to the child, and if you're married, each one of you can give fifteen. So you could do 30000 uh, they have to be working to put it into a Roth IRA. Question is, should you? Should you? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a different topic that's which we just covered. Different but, question. But we you, just talked about. That. But you can you can you can put it in a brokerage account. I mean you can you can you certainly can. do that. Um, but I th- I think going back to the topic of having those conversations and trying to get them saving on their own is going right. to going to build more um, self respect for them. But if you want to help them out uh, early on to give them that that push, then you certainly can. Yeah, I just don't, I mean, maybe while they're still in the house and they're working, you know, we did this for our kids, you know, when they were working, um, you know, in high school and stuff, we would like match their money they put in their Roth IRA. Um, So we we helped them save at that point. But once they get out and they get on their own, they get their own job, I don't think you should. I think you should let them do their own savings. You should encourage them to, to, to save, but you can always save, you know, in your own account earmarked for them. They sure. can be the beneficiary of it. Mm-hmm. But if you give the money to them, put it in their Roth, you know, you're just enabling them to not save any of their own money just yeah. to save. So I, I, would, I would just be careful with that, yep. I guess, is the point there. But that's a great question of the week. And that brings us up here to our next topic. And that is, um, you know, myths about, about money. Yes, this uh, comes from AARP, uh, Sybil Weiser. Um, you know, wrote this, and uh, it's basically a compilation of um, you know, bad ideas and things that we hear from clients. Um, you know, and uh, it's kind of some of them are pretty straightforward. The first one here, I'll just dive into it, is um, watch out for estate taxes. You know, that's always a a big you know push from yeah. lawyers and so forth. And 
I mean, the reality is, is the federal limits are like $11 million per person. So for most people, not even going to come close to that. So it's really not about a tax avoidance issue. A lot of people set up trust to avoid them, and, and you're really avoiding probate taxes, which are right. much smaller. Very small. You know, most, it's like a quarter of 1%. Yeah, it's not a lot. So the the, the reason to do you know, the, the planning in the estate world is to make sure your beneficiaries are right, make sure your heirs understand what you have, when it's coming. Um, it's really not to, um, to, to avoid estate taxes because no one really pays them unless you're, like, mega rich. Right. That's now, right. Now, that doesn't mean it can't change, right? Exactly. I mean, it, it used to be anytime. it used to be uh, as low as a million dollars, you know, eight years ago. Yeah, 600000 Six, back in the 90s. That's so. right. So <laughs> it, it certainly could be reduced, which would, you know, then make some of the trust more important. Yeah. Now there's income taxes. You do need to watch out sure. for that in, in retirement and in, in, in your state. Um, so there is estate planning to be done, but taxes are, state taxes are usually not the issue, just yep. like you said. Um, you know, another myth is is basically that you need to assign one household member to handle the finances. Um, you know, we often see, you know, one person take on the financial management role in a relationship because he or she enjoys it and the other person doesn't. But, you know, you can never predict what's going to happen to that person who's handling the finances. And if something does happen, then the other person is left kind of trying to figure out, you know, what to do in a state of stress and grief. So, you know, carve out time for discussions about money. You know, talk about what, what needs to happen if anything were to happen to the, the you know, one of you that's handling the finances. Um, you know, then kind of repeat this, um, you know, at a regular set time. You just have con- continual discussions about money at, at, you know, set times so that you kind of know what's going on and nobody's left totally in the dark. Yeah, another one here, Steve, that we hear a lot about is you can figure out which stocks or mutual funds will do well in the future by looking at the past performance. And, Mm. uh, you know, what did well last year is not going to be the same typically of what's going to do well this year or next year or in 10 years. Companies and economies go in boom and bust cycles, and by the time investors identify a hot sector or maybe an asset or another mutual fund, uh, you know, stories get published in the media and people are talking about it and the cycle is already turning. So, you know, don't worry about what the future will hold. Just keep it simple. Um, own a little bit of everything, you know, and you're going to have ups and downs in the market. So you want to own a, you know, diverse, low cost portfolio, uh, rebalance periodically and uh, to try to maintain your targets. That's generally worked out well. I mean, the the issue that people are having like now is they're looking in their 401ks at, the, the past performance over the last five or 10 years, and U.S. stocks are all at the top. That's it. Large yeah, U.S. Large stocks. growth stocks, particularly. So people are going to pile into those, and, and I don't have a crystal ball here, but historically speaking, that has been a recipe for disaster. Yeah, we saw that back in 2000, you know, back almost 20 years ago. Um, technology and growth had done so well. People were just piling money in the technology and all the dot-com world. And then it came crashing down in 2000, about March of 2000. The Nasdaq dropped from, you know, over 5,000 all the way down to like 70% it lost um, over a year and a half. So you just don't want to, you got to be careful. You got to stay diversified. Don't think that you can predict the future when it comes to which asset class or which fund is going to do the best going forward. Um, Another myth here, John, is if you downsize, you'll save money. This is a very common myth that we see. And, and, you know, you can save money for sure if you Mm -hmm. downsize. But 
have to truly downsize. And uh, yeah, you know, a lot we, of people upgrade. <laughs> they upgrade. They downsize, but they upgrade. Smaller yeah. house, nicer house, right? And so, you know, often when people downsize from a bigger house um, where they had children, they buy a smaller place. But it's just it's it's more it, it's more better appointed to fit their aging needs. And so they forget about also about the cost of selling and buying a home and moving and all the costs avoid, uh, associated with that. They also forget about the maintenance costs, which tend to go up um, because you wind up paying somebody else to do the maintenance for it as you age. Um, so, I mean, it's it's possible to pay less for housing, you know, as you age and, and you buy a smaller house. But, you know, you got to just be careful. You got to count the cost because it's not as cheap as people think to, to go buy a house that's, you know, say a third smaller than what you currently have. Moving mm-hmm. is very expensive as well. Yeah, that's right. Another one here is if, if you inherit a bunch of money, all your problems will be gone. That'll solve it. It'll Everything. end. No problems. Actually, in reality, you'll have more problems. Uh, in some cases, you'll have people that will resent you, um, you know, people in your life. You'll have family and friends that will suddenly reach out and ask for help. And um, people who inherit money typically spend it much quicker than what they thought. So if you do come into some money, you know, put a strategy in place, take some time, step away. Um, you know, it's okay to spend some of it, but have a plan for it. Sit down and and uh, talk with some, some different folks, advisors. Uh, maybe you have some trusted people in your life. Um, but you, you got to take a breather from it because um, it actually creates more problems. It's more complex, right? You have more right. choices, more alternatives, and it does become more more complex. So it doesn't solve your problems. That's exactly right. That's a good one. Another one here is it's too late to save for retirement. You know, it, it might be too late to save for your ideal retirement, <laughs> but it's never too late to make a big difference in your retirement. Um, you know, it's a scary feeling when retirement's around the corner and you you think you have enough money saved for that chapter of your life, but but then you're you know, realize you don't. Um, you're paralyzed by fear, you know. And instead, you got to have a plan, you know, beginning at age 50, let's say, you know, the IRS allows you to make uh the catch-up contributions to your IRAs and to your retirement plan. Um, so consider uh, if you can if you can change some things in your budget to take advantage of that, so you can pay the extra money, extra extra six thousand dollars you can put in your four hundred one k plan starting at age fifty. Um, that would make a big difference. Um, so cut down the extra, sell something if you need to, get a second job, whatever it takes. The sooner you get started, the more time you're going to have for that compounding return to work. And you can make a big difference, you know, even if you only have five years to retirement, if you start saving heavily and change your budget and start getting ahead, get your debts paid off, you know, it's never too late to make a big difference. Yeah, another myth here is uh, when the stock market goes down, you've lost money. And, uh, you know, we've heard this, um, you know, thinking back into 2008, the meltdown. I mean, people were cashing out their 401ks. They were selling their stock as quickly as they could. Uh, In October of 2008, the markets were down 20%. Um, guess what we did? We actually rebalanced and bought stock. That's right. Here, we sold some bonds. We went and bought stock. Uh, the only people who lose um, when the markets are down are those who panic and sell. Um, if you didn't freak out and you didn't sell, uh, you fully recovered and then some. So when the market goes down, keep in mind that you don't lose until you sell something. And actually, you know, you have the same number of shares as you had before the markets went down. And if you can add some money to it, that's a great strategy. And uh, if you have, if you're pulling money out for, for retirement and you have some bonds, 
you just go tap the bonds. It's okay when markets go down. It's part of the process. Absolutely. <clears throat> That's right. And the last one here is, you know, a call from the IRS saying you owe money is going to be terrible news. I got one of those from the IRS. Did you? I did, too. Yeah, have you gotten those? Yeah. I have gotten them. Yeah, the computerized calls, too. They're not yeah. even a voice anymore. It's just a computerized There's call. There's a warrant out for your arrest. Yeah, a warrant for your arrest. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this has got to be such a common fraud um, that it's kind of laughable now when you get one of these calls that's just computerized mm-hmm. voice that's telling you, you know, that it's the IRS and, you know, you got to pay immediately, call back at this number. Um, anyway, you know, there's a lot of fraud out there. Don't be, don't be, don't get nervous if you get one of these calls. The IRS never calls you. They always send you a letter mm-hmm. first. Um, so you you get all kind of notifications in the mail before they'd ever pick up a phone. Those Those folks don't pick up the phone. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. So, yeah, just as you said, stay calm. Um, don't give your information out. Um, it's it's a scam. You know, it's obviously working. That, you know, if they call 10 million people, they may get 10, but that's all they're looking for, right? Exactly. So just be careful exactly. with that. Absolutely. All right. And this leads us up here to our last item, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, you might want to skip home warranties. Uh, horrible deals. Yeah. You know, they cost anywhere from 600 to $1,000 per year. Uh, big ticket items are typically not covered. Um, you know, some of the things that are covered are capped. Uh, there's a cap associated with them. There's a lot of copays. And every time someone comes out to take a look at something, it's like a hundred bucks, even if it is covered. Um, and then the homeowners can't pick their own, um, you know, warranty provider that's done by the, the company. A lot of times the work is shoddy. Uh, apparently there's a, a very large volume of complaints in this area. So, Home warranties, um, unless you have or buying a house, a very old house, and that's provided as a part of it, I wouldn't spend the thousand dollars to do it. No, yeah, the reviews on these, according to this bottom line article that you pulled up here, John, the reviews on these are horrible. Um, you know, they just recount nightmares that people have had with these home warranty, you know, uh, deals where they go and and they they pick their own person to come fix your house and that person does a horrible job so you have no control over that um you know just all kind of caveats and exclusions and stuff in these home warranties so avoid those do your homework make sure you don't get caught into you know a bad deal with a home warranty all right well that brings us to a close for this week's edition of money md tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health check us out on our website moneymd.net Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.